Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. It is our great honor to welcome you into some of the most catalytic conversations happening in our nation around the female voice. My name is Vanessa Hoyes from Montreal and my co-host Kathy Ostapchuk from Toronto and I have the privilege of leading Gather Women. This movement will exist until the female voice can be heard loud and clear in every sphere of influence across our nation. So we invite you into these conversations and we pray they will mobilize you personally, you the listener, you the influencer to champion truth, challenge inequity and in turn change our nation and change our world. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Gather Influence podcast. My name is Vanessa Hoyes. I am coming to you from Montreal here in Quebec in Canada. And my co-host Kathy Ostopchuk is from Toronto in Ontario, Canada. And we get to have an incredible conversation, one I was so looking forward to, with John Burns and Angela Doel, his daughter, over in BC. John and Helen Burns founded Relate Church in Surrey and handed a few years ago the reins and full leadership of the church to his daughter, Angela Doel. Angela and Rod, her husband, have been married for 25 years, have adult children. From the day she was young, I think around 10, she says in the interview, her parents founded the church called Relate in Surrey. And she really speaks into being there, seeing the cost, watching the cost be counted and what the process was that her and her family went through as John and Helen, her parents, but the leaders and founders of Relate Church really felt like God was calling her to take on the lead pastor role. And this is a profound conversation. There are moments you're going to want to pause. There are moments that we absolutely are standing on holy ground as John speaks into his revelation of raising daughters and raising women and positioning really not just his daughter, but this woman, this incredible woman of wisdom, Angela, into this leadership position. But then she speaks on what it took for her to make sure that this was her call and not just her father's call for her life. And this conversation is incredible for any pastor, any leader, anyone still navigating the place of a woman in leadership, navigating transition, navigating raising and releasing leaders. There's so many conversations that we have here and moments you're going to want to honestly pause, take some time to process or listen again and again. You're going to love this podcast. It's a really, really crucial one, we believe, for the church at large and not just in Canada, all across the earth. If there's someone you would think this conversation would be helpful, would serve in some way, would shift a mindset in some way, make sure you share and you repost and you put your own reason why, even as you're sharing it with another person. And we are so excited because this week we have had to close the doors on our Gather Voices coaching cohort. So we're asking those that listen to this podcast this week to really pray for these 20 incredible female voices that you are going to continue to see God use in this nation and beyond as we coach them with phenomenal guest coaches from Canada, from Australia, from the US as well. So pray for this cohort of women and begin to prayerfully consider your place in our next cohort of Gather Voices. We love you. We are so grateful for the way you listen and lean in and the way God is using this podcast to speak not only to females but to males and females in leadership alike in places of influence all across the earth so thank you for leaning in today listening i pray it awakens something in you it awakens something in the people around you you're going to love this conversation with john burns and angela Dowell on leading and what it really means to take on leadership and walk into new spaces of authority hi welcome today to our podcast we have such special guests on special in my world personally and special to this nation 
Uh, Kathy and I are joined today by Pastor John Burns and from Pastor Angela Joelle over in BC at Relate Church in uh, Vancouver. Well, actually, sorry, BC. It is so good to have you both on. And Kathy, welcome today to our Gather Influence podcast. Great to be here. It is three hours behind where we are. It is middle of summer. If you're listening to this from somewhere else in the world, it's middle of summer, but there are fires over in BC. There's rain in Ontario. It's um, kind of weird things happening with the weather, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So there's going to be so many people that love you, love, love, love. Pastor John Burns and Kathy just said, you're like a father in this nation, right? And um, I know personally in our family, we have known and loved you. Helen and I often talk, John's married to Helen Burns, and we often talk about how many years I say we've known you for now. And we figured out it's from when I was about 20 years old so that is 25 years actually nearly I think 28 we figured out so um, it's a long time (laughs) and um, so key in our own marriage personally and then to our church here in Montreal the resurgent church you relate church was so instrumental in getting us into this nation and supporting us so forever eternally grateful personally and as our local church here but Today we are talking all things about your influence, your voice, the listeners, the female church across our nation. And Kathy, this is so our passion right now, hey? Yeah, we're focusing on it, I think because we haven't focused on it for centuries. <laughs> there have been, you know, little little signs of life that certain women have risen up and started movements and pastored and written and and spoken but when that noise dies down it's like okay has anything really changed and I think we're particularly focused on uh, the Canadian landscape but the global landscape and asking you know where is that voice and what needs to happen to call out that voice so I'm so excited about this conversation today because I know that we are going to be addressing the challenges but also the opportunities yeah so Angela and John, will you just tell us a little bit about yourselves, who you would like to start, but just a bit about your story, your family, your church planted years and years ago, which one of you would love to go for it, John, I feel like. Well, Angela is our oldest daughter. She's <laughs> uh, one of three. And uh, Helen and I were born and raised in Vancouver. We met at high school. Uh, fell in love, you know, I was the middle linebacker on the, on the football team. She was the head cheerleader, typical. Anyway, down the road, I graduated as a dentist. I've actually practiced for 10 years. And there was a moment in my life that changed everything. And, and it was a, a, a time when I was wrestling with, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because I, I actually love being a dentist and, and being an evangelist kind of and, and, you know, supporting the church and all of that. But I also uh, love teaching the Bible and I love helping people and I love church. And someone said to me, listen, you can do anything you want with the rest of your life. Just a- answer this one question. What's the best and I didn't have to think it was church and that has defined our life and I think that's kind of hopefully what got passed on to our children and hopefully that's why Angela actually sits in this seat called lead pastor at Relate Church today because we absolutely love church but I'll let Angela tell you most of the story from her point of view. I'd like to hear it from her point of view. Well, yeah. Okay. So for context, mom and dad had this experience with God when I was three years old, that's when your life really changed and it changed. Um, they, we, I grew up along with my sisters in this household that was all about God sharing the hope that mom and dad had found. And I was 10 years old when you planted the church. So we moved from uh, up north, we moved back to Vancouver and started in 1986. I was 10 at the time. So uh, yeah, very much a a church girl. It's just in my blood. It's something that 
has become so important to me and my husband and our children. My husband Rod and I have now been married for, I have to think about it because it's so long, 27 years. And uh, we both have been able to serve in church for most of our marriage. We have two adult children who are, Madison is 25, Miller is 22. That too kind of blows my mind. But yeah, I am a, I'm a church girl. Um, this has always been very much a family thing. I think back to when you guys planted what was then called Victory Christian Center. Today, it is Relate to Church. It was a family discussion. We knew that we were going to do it together. And, you know, you're in as much as you can be at 10 years old. My, my sisters are younger than I am, but that has only grown the passion for God's house and for the, the people and something that is just, I couldn't not be doing this today, I think. Yeah. I'm just wondering with growing up with it, was there a specific moment, Angela, where you had a personal call? Oh, yeah. Um, I think thinking back, there was lots of encounters with God um, that were really pivotal in my life. I was filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in a very dramatic way when I was 12 years old. And so uh, my youth was filled with um, just, I had this passion for learning, for being close to God. I even think, you know, it's funny because I'm definitely wrestled with the call to be the lead pastor that wasn't an obvious and it wasn't like we planned it long in advance but when I think back uh, we were talking about this recently there was even I don't know how old I would have been like I was I was young 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 when I had a birthday party and invited all of our friends over and I did an altar call I led them all in the sinner's prayer as a child. <laughs> I, think, I think you were six years old yeah. and uh, we had a birthday party and, and she was just doing what, what she seen mom and dad do. So she gathered all her friends together and preached the gospel to them and asked them if they wanted to get saved and then prayed the sinner's prayer with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just what you do. That was the water that I swam in and, and, and was so passionate about who God was. I didn't, I would say that the call, if I felt a call to be in this position and this kind of leadership role that came so much later in life, I was solidly in my thirties when I knew that, um, God was calling me to do something more. Um, and I say God calling me because that is what I needed to hear. Um, I've been so blessed to be part of a family and a church where um, there wasn't a pressure, but there was always an invitation to do more from my parents, from our leadership team. There was all, uh, that was always out there. I was the one who held back for many years, probably largely just out of insecurity. I had to do some growing up. I was very familiar with and comfortable being behind the scenes. I loved serving in children's ministry serving in creative areas, but it was later. I actually had an encounter at a women's conference, which isn't that how it always is. And Christine Kane was preaching, which I'm sure there are thousands of women who have a similar story to me, listening to Chris, uh, just preaching with passion, where I, I listened to her and felt God speak to me and say that this incredible woman had every reason to say, no, to, to, to hold back, to say that she was, and she talks about it, how she was unqualified, disqualified, and yet there she was. And I felt just the conviction of God's spirit saying, I have, I, Angela, have had every opportunity and all the encouragement. And I've been so blessed to be in a house that cultivates my gifts and, and, and gives me a platform if I wanted it. And I just, continually would say, no, thank you. No, thanks. I'll just, I'll just hold back. And so I felt a conviction when I was around 30 and, and said, I'm going to stop saying no. I actually went and had a conversation with dad, who was my boss and my pastor and we said, we had a date. And on the date, she said, um, dad, uh, you know, 
God spoke to me. <laughs> and I like to hear that because if it's dad told me to do this or mom told me to do this, I don't know that that's going to be able to withstand all the challenges that are going to come. But when God spoke to me, and so what did he say? And she said, uh, he told me to tell you that I'll never say no again. <laughs> now the ball's in my court. Because that is scary as a dad, if I'm, you know, you're never going to say no again. But one of the first things I asked you to do was remember, preach Mother's Day. Yeah. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. I remember being so scared out of my mind and just deciding to do it anyhow. And I wish I had a recording of that because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure all of that translated. Um, just my, doing my best and deciding to do the thing, but not probably doing it very well, but kept going. Well, we, we never had a timing problem with you. If the message was supposed to be 30 minutes, it was 17. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true anymore. No. <laughs> How many minutes are you up to, Angela? <laughs> oh man, we, <laughs> we try to stick around 30. But like last Sunday, my husband told me afterwards, yeah, you were, you were a bit over on that one. But you know, sometimes when you get going, I just can't reel it in. I don't know. Especially back in person, I'm yes. sure. Like, oh my yes. God, people. <laughs> exactly. But let's, if we can stay there for a moment, because I, I, I mean, I know there's dynamics of the fatherhood, the natural fathering, and then the spiritual fathering, and then the, the boss, you know, which we're talking about. But, but before Angela had a God call, John, what kind of, you know, do you still know there was a call, but that I will just say yes. What did you notice? What, what, was, what was going on in you to even just get, um, give Angela that space to, um, you said it was a bit behind the scenes, but I want to hear a little bit about how did you balance that? You knew there was gift on her calling in her. As a, as a pastor and a leader and a father, because all these different listeners will be on, how are you nurturing that up until that point, up until that kind of 30, that God encounter that Angela had? I would say her, her the, the most you know, striking thing that she continually displayed was amazing faithfulness and competence. There was nothing she could not do, nothing. I mean, it, her, her only um, obstacle was, was herself. Like she said, she, she would, I, no, no, it's okay. I, I don't need to, but she, she's brilliant in so many ways. And I, and I knew that and I saw that, but I, I really didn't push her as much as I could have maybe. Instead, I would just, you know, watch her and, and just excited about who she was and who she was becoming. I must admit, though, it never crossed my mind that she would be the this lead pastor of our church. Right. It probably didn't cross my mind until maybe even two years before we passed the baton. And I think, just to be really totally uh, transparent, I think it was the woman issue. I, I didn't have anything against women in ministry. I just never seen it. And you can't have what you can't see. And I think there are thousands that are called, but they've never seen it. It's never crossed their mind. Until they see it, it doesn't come alive inside of them. And here I had this, this perfect you know, person that I was raising up. She had all the giftings, all of the ability, everything you needed, but I never saw it because she was female and our world, we don't think that way. It's like, it's like I was always, you know, talking to other pastors and they're all talking about their sons, you know, and, and I'm kind of feeling like, oh, that's not fair because I got three daughters, but um, I, I never had a problem against women in ministry. You probably know that I, I would always be, I would always be championing whoever had the, the ability, the best one for the job was who got the job. It didn't matter about gender. Matter of fact, I'm more excited to see a woman in that place than anyone else. Why? Because it just goes against the, the flow of, of what's 
happening in our world and it's not right. And, I, and so, but all that to say, uh, I really was um, affected by what I saw and what you see in the world today is not women stepping up in ministry and being lead pastors. You do not see um, fathers passing the baton of lead pastor in the church to their daughter. I don't know of anyone else. Really, I'm just too bad. Yeah. I guess I want to ask both of you, maybe John, keep going with this, but what was the risk for you? Because you'd never seen it. You know, the world doesn't see it very often. What was the risk for you? And then maybe Angela follow up with that and maybe share what the risk for you was in stepping into this role. Well, I never really, I'm one of those kind of people that I don't care about risks very much, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, if it's, there's a risk involved, I'm probably more likely to go that way than anything else. I'm, I'm one of those guys that kind of always going to be going, you know, against the flow when it's wrong. Um, so, you know, I, I knew there were people that wouldn't like that, but that's tough. You know, we're, we're just going to do, I'm always the one that's, that's thinking, figure out what's, what's right and then do it. And, and, you know, we'll figure it out afterwards. So I knew there would be, there would be people that, that wouldn't be thrilled, but I was kind of thrilled to be able to go that route because of that, because <laughs> it was the right way to go. So okay. funny. My dad and I have some similar personality traits, but I do not embrace risk in the same way that he does. So that wouldn't appeal to me in the same way. <laughs> But when I think about the risk that was most obvious and real to me at the time, I was thinking about my children. I was thinking about our church in that I wasn't sure how people would respond, but I didn't particularly want to be that church doing that thing that was different than everybody else that would invite criticism or just even talk because, you know, everybody's going to be talking about it. And I'm okay with taking that on personally. I, I think I had wrestled with it so much that I, I was committed, but I wondered what that would look like for, you know, our kids who were young adults at the time, teenagers, I guess, um, how they would feel and how that would play out. I wanted them to just love the church and all the people. And if I could, and probably, you know, as a pastor's kid, I just wanted them to avoid all the difficult stuff that comes along with um, change or doing something controversial and but that also was like the reward because if I think about my kids or I think about the next generation that is why we would do this thing is because it is like that's the right thing to do and also just recognizing that it was opening something new for others that maybe there were other people out there who would feel like they hadn't even considered leadership because it wasn't an option or they weren't the obvious choice. And that is enough to ins ins inspire me to, to step into that place. So I'll welcome whatever criticism there is or challenge because it's worth the, the payoff. It's worth opening a door, allowing, like dad said, allowing other people to see something that they haven't seen before for the generations to come. Yeah, just just something to add to that. One of the um, those moments between the two of us, because there's there's been a you know a few of them, but um, this was before we actually made the final decision of when and all the rest. But um, you know there was it was obvious that there was going to be a bit of turmoil as a result of it because not everybody would would love it and jump on board. And I remember us having one of those discussions, Angela, and you said to me, it's okay, dad, it's okay. Cause you know, God told me some people are going to leave, but it's okay. Cause God told me we're going to grow. True. Now to me, the most important words I need to hear is God told me, because again, that's, you know, it's not a, you know, a committee that figures out who's going to pastor a church. It is a calling and it's a God calling. And when all the stuff hits the fan, it's the only thing that's going to actually be strong enough to help you go through that. So I, you know, and, and the interesting thing, just to jump ahead of all of this, after we made that decision and made it public and passed the baton, 
you know, Helen and I have this ability, uh, privilege, if you will, to minister to many young family like you, Vanessa, Andrew and, you know, Vanessa, and they have their girls and um, many all over the world. And I can't tell you how many, after we made that decision, um, their daughters were saying, you mean that's, that's a possibility? Uh, you know, again, never crossed their mind because you never saw it. And so I think that, like Angela said, is opening the door and makes it even all the more valuable. Just hearing the, the ins and outs and your, the kind of conversations and the risks and the rewards you're talking about, it's so powerful because I think there's so many people that would be having what we'd call those, I mean, bedroom, household, pillow talk conversations, right, where they... They don't want to say those things out loud. Like, John, I just want to honor you for that. Even to say, I just didn't see it. I didn't theologically disagree with it. I just didn't see it, right? So I'm thinking of everyone that's listening just now, that the, the people that have the, um, the opportunity to make room, right? To make room that the males and the female leaders that have opportunity to make room for females in those leadership roles how did you catch yourself like what were you say, what were you noticing you were saying when there was opportunities who's going to be the lead pastor how did it how was it if Angela crossed your mind what is it that you were noticing you were saying or thinking to to realize you had that mindset I don't think it can be her well when it when it came right down to it, I, uh, I knew that I needed to pass this baton to the next generation because um, I was, uh, actually the reason I knew is, is uh, I was listening to uh, one of my friends um, and he said that the, the, the time he knew he had to pass it on is when he, he figured out that he's out of date, he's out of touch with this younger generation. And I'm thinking, I'm not out of touch, you know? Um, and then we had a family night and I, cr I cracked one of my, you know, <laughs> dad joke. And I think all the girls said, dad, you're so out of touch. <laughs> it's like, I, I just, I, okay, I know the, the, the best thing possible is um, this thing, this baton, if you will, um, that I've built my, poured my life into. Helen and I have given our lives to build this church. It's, it's like, it's, it's that valuable. I'm going to pass that on. Um, then thinking about that, I mean, Angela actually was on staff as our executive pastor. And I remember when I, when I made the announcement that, that, I'm, you know, we're going to pass this on, she's thinking that she's going to be the most help to me to figure out who we're going to pass it to. <laughs> Yeah. that's how much we didn't realize that she's the one right there. But, and, and as we kind of worked on who, who to pass it to, it became really obvious that there wasn't anyone else that, that I could pass it to. Why? Because no one else valued the price that was paid for that baton more than Angela. And no one else would treasure it and guard it more than Angela. Because it's like Andrew and you, you know, Vanessa, you've poured your life into uh, moving and planting and, and no one knows the price that you paid more than your girls do. They know the price that you paid. And so, um, you know, it became very clear. And to me, people ask me all the time, who do you pass the baton to? The one that's going to look after it and treasure it the most. The one that's going to value what it's, what it's cost you and going to take it you know, from there. So the, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's a big part of it. It's so important to hear that point of view because a lot, a lot of people could think, oh, well, it was natural for her to step into it. She was raised for that. You know, you always plan for that. It was part of the church strategy. But to hear the unexpected voice of God in Angela's life, you know, saying, actually, this is your call. And then for you, John, to be surprised, not that long before she stepped into it, that, oh, it's you. I love that because it shows, you know, it shows that you, you weren't, you know, kind of grooming her for this particular role. 
And the fact that it was a surprise, I think just shows, I think the magnificence of how God wants to kind of set things a little bit straight, even when we don't know that's what he's doing. So I love that. That's great. I hope that this podcast is listened to by many, but probably the ones that I, I would be most thrilled is for the, the young girls that there's a call and they don't know it. And they need to, it's, it needs to be stirred in their heart that they can do it. And it, once you begin to think I can do it, and then you see someone like Angela step into that role, something will come alive inside of them. Because I do believe there's thousands of young women that have been called to even plant a church, to pastor a church, to lead, to do all kinds of things they've never seen before. And until they see it, it doesn't come alive inside of them. And so I'm, I'm hoping and believing this podcast will hit that group. Mm. You know, I'm even thinking about just the circumstances that are particular to us, but how they translate to other people. And I wonder sometimes if it kind of was the perfect storm in that there was no pressure on me, as there might have been if I was a son, there might have been some expectation or, or maybe some grooming for that. I'm sure there would be some pressure attached to that, whether it was explicit or just kind of assumed. And there wasn't any of that in my case. So I was able to be very much part of growing, changing, building church. Uh, I was in the mix for years and years without thinking that this was going to be the obvious next step. And when you think about somebody stepping into a place like this, you know, even the call and uh, taking responsibility to lead, I... I think that the calling largely for me anyhow has been one of <laughs> saying like, and I say this often, I can't not do this. And I think that, that often is the call. Um, I didn't have any ambition to be in a place and have a platform and hold the microphone. Um, and sometimes that can be a beautiful thing to be ambitious in that way, but that isn't necessarily where authority comes from. It comes from the call of God on your life to be in the place that you're called to be. And so I counted the costs when dad talks about me being the, the right choice because I understood the price that was paid. I was very aware of the price because again, as a pastor's kid, being part of ministry for a long time, I was very aware of what was going to be required and what that meant. And that probably caused us, my husband and I both to take longer to be like, okay, we're, we're on board for this. But that has been such a benefit as well, because even looking at the, this last two years for us, you know, it's been three years since we made the transition, but then there was, you know, that caused lots of challenge and then the pandemic hit. And so there's been, I know for lots of leaders and pastors, just a, a shaking, you know, you question, um, why am I doing this? And it's been so challenging in all the ways but I can pretty easily go back to that, just that unshakable knowing that it wasn't my parents saying you should do this. It wasn't somebody else. Though other people definitely helped. They affirmed that call in my life. It was ultimately just God saying, this is the way walk in it. And so I think that kind of removes a lot of the uh, things that might make it more challenging. It, it's been a very clear, I have to do this thing. I can't not do it. So there hasn't been a time where I've considered stepping away or quitting because I couldn't. This is, this is what God made clear. And I'm just thinking again about other females and, and feeling a call of God in your life, perhaps, but not having the opportunity. And I think for me, anyhow, the blessing has been that there wasn't an obvious path. There was a lot of just challenges along the way, but that has refined me and it's allowed me to continue to work on my heart my mom if you've had a conversation with my mom she will always talk about guarding your heart just keep your heart right that's your one job that's what you got to do and if there isn't an opportunity but you feel the call of god on your life just keep showing up faithfully wherever you are with whatever is in front of you and it is god who rewards it is it is god who elevates he will open doors 
if you keep your heart right and if you continue to say yes to whatever those opportunities are. Obviously, and I love that we're hearing from my dad because it's going to take people opening those doors and considering things that they haven't considered before. We're going to need men and women looking for and empowering females and just saying, God, who is the best person for this role, regardless of their gender or background. But anyhow, just for me, I I see how God's hand has been on all of it, even though we didn't see it at the time. It's helpful hindsight. That's the other group that I would love to, that they would listen to this podcast. It's, it's the fathers, it's the dads, it's the men, because um, women can't open the door for women like men can open the door for women. And it's going to take a lot of men that, that haven't seen this to be able to see it, to stop thinking the way they've thought for years that it's got to be a son or it's got to be a, another you know, man that steps into it and begin to, to take off the gender you know, glasses and just look at who um, do you believe is going to do the best job. And it's not about gifting and talent. It's about the responsibility and the call that's there. Yeah. So hopefully um, makes a difference in, in people as we talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if, if I can just use another moment uh, that was kind of a, a, a life-changing to me in a way was um, after, like when we made the decision that we're, I'm gonna pass the baton to Angela, we told the church, so for the next year, we'll have two hands on the baton. Just like any you know, relay, there is a moment where there's two hands on the baton. And so it'll be Angela and I. And that was a year where, where um, I just passed as much you know, wisdom to her and she just picked up as much as she could. And, and uh, we went forward. And I remember in October, uh, we, we had a, it was one of those, what, what was it, Angela? It was the soul something meeting we had. But it was, it was the leadership in the church and you were teaching, it was on a Wednesday night, and you were teaching about yeah, heart and soul uh, night. Um, you were teaching Ephesians chapter three about the church, and it was one of the best messages on the church I'd ever heard. And in the middle of this message, I felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder and say, that's your pastor. <laughs> like, it's one thing that she's my daughter, now she's my pastor. And see, the thing about, and she keeps coming back to this, the calling. Do you know what's involved with the calling? The anointing. And the anointing's not head knowledge. It's, you didn't go to university get, you know, to get the anointing. And you didn't get it because you were raised in our home. You didn't get it because you're my daughter. The anointing only comes from God. And the anointing to pastor and to, and to lead this church is the ability I believe that she has to make the right choices. And so I don't question her choices. And it's been, I think that's been one of the great uh, helps to me to really pass this baton in a way, because I've heard of a lot of transitions where it hasn't been good, where he passes the baton to whoever, and then he keeps on taking it back again. And uh, um, I hopefully haven't done that because I really do 100% believe that she is able to pastor and lead this church better than I could ever do it. I I just feel like one of the takeaways from today or epiphanies, uh, not only for me, but anybody listening is that, you know, sometimes we ask the question, can I, can I, or can't I do it because of my gender? And then maybe can I, or can't I do it because of my gifting? But will I say yes to do it? because of my call and my anointing. So there is a hierarchy, you know, of questions to be asked. And I think you've just really elevated um, that surrender to the call that you cannot not do it because it's obedience. And, you know, that call will keep you in the game, you know, despite your gender, despite your gifting, it's, you know, in Helen's words, it's like what's going on in your heart. So that's my takeaway. That's my epiphany. I, I, I love that. Thank you for Thank you for that from both of you. Angela, do you remember that meeting? Did, did it the same thing that God was doing in your dad? Was he doing it in you leading that meeting or was it 
different moments for you? Dad told me afterwards, I think you came and told me right after the service that God had said that to you. And I remember leaving, driving home from church, feeling just the smile of God through that, because you can imagine, first of all, the humility that that took on my dad's part, just because, yeah, there are so many dynamics here because he has been my boss and my dad and my pastor for all of these years. And so I knew that was a big deal and I was so grateful for it. I do remember going into it and I was presenting something that was new that night, dad, (laughs) that maybe wasn't what you would have done or you say that you don't question and that is God because the way that I would lead is different than you would. You would have come up with something very different and I knew it. You know, I weigh everything against what would John Burns do because that is what you do when you follow somebody. And I knew it was different, but I knew it was what God was asking of us at the time. And I knew it was right and I was being obedient. So I was doing the thing. So I did definitely feel like, okay, this is stepping into a new place. And that was probably the the beginning of very often feeling like I'm going to step into a new thing and we're going to do this a little bit different, always with heart to honor what's gone before, because I do have this view of, you know, the last 35 years and all that that has looked like, and that is my foundation as well, but wanting above all to please God, make him, I need his approval. And so I'm always listening to that um, first and foremost, but that is definitely, that's a, that's a wrestle. I've told dad this before that I've had to separate God's voice from dad's (laughs) because for so long, it was kind of the same. If he, if my pastor said it, then I'm, I'm following and I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to do what you're saying. So this is a whole new, this has been a switch definitely for me and, and for my parents as well. But I'm so thankful that again, that was just God's kindness that he would make that clear for both of us so that we can continue to, to do it together because there's something so beautiful about that. And again, that doesn't always happen. You know, sometimes the one who passes it has to kind of get out of the picture because it's, it's, it's challenging, it's difficult, and there can be a, a lot of struggle there. But I'm so thankful that we get to go forward together. There's such strength in that. We're doing it for, even beyond me, we're definitely focused on the next generation. I know both of us are. One of the things I realized is um, she stepped into lead pastor, and she is now the lead and so it's like a new church. It's like a new family. And I, I've always taken pastoring like family. And to be the pastor is to be the dad or the mom in the church. You know, just like real family, uh, uh, you know, Angela got married and, and, and they have their own family. And I'm still very important to it. But um, I am not the one now that, that speaks in, has authority over her family. It's the same thing now with her. It's her church. And not, you know, it's Jesus' church, but it's her church. It's, it's under her leadership, not me. It's not like she took over mine and she's trying to do what I did. No, she now has her. And, and uh, it's different. And I'm just very, very proud of her. And I, I, I think uh, hopefully this will help a lot of other churches in transition, not just to a female, but any transition. Yeah. Well, you have to write your book then. Both of you have to co-author a book to help the future generations see this as a reality and, and to see how it can be done in a very healthy and life-giving way. So I'll be looking for that. Well, that's a great idea, Kathy. And Angela is a brilliant writer. So, and, and I'm a terrible writer. So this probably will work good. <laughs> that's not true. Again, just for the, the audience and the listeners, where, if you're able to be honest, where were some misunderstandings around the female piece? So God really spoke to you, John. Um, do you have some that you would then have had to dig a bit deeper on to go back and forth on in a way that would be helpful for our listeners, both as the person stepping into lead as a female, but also the person moving over for the lead to be a female? 
any scriptures or concepts you know that you found really helpful in that transition to help other people as well move to this place well there's there's as you know there's lots of people that, that take the bible and and make it say lots of different things and and uh there's a huge factor out there that make the bible tell you that um women are not to be in lead in ministry you know they're to be quiet and there's there's enough um verses that you could take those verses and you could build a theology which many people have done with that but um uh, i just have always been you know relied on this the bottom line is what does the holy spirit make real to me is in terms of what do i know that i know that i know that i know god is saying and he is not saying that he has um, disqualified anyone from ministry he's not disqualified any gender from from anything that god's put in their heart to do and so i felt like i, I wanted to be someone that supported women in ministry and um so i i didn't want to argue i never argue i mean if if you don't want to hear what what i have to say then i won't say it but um so I've just never been one that's going to argue with anybody. I'm just going to do what God's called me to do. And the truth will outlast the lie. And you just, you know, you want to see, watch us. And so that's kind of the way I've dealt with that whole thing. But I do realize there's, there's lots out there that have gone the other way. And, uh, you know, and the, hopefully they'll see the truth and they'll see the light one day. <laughs> I'm not going to write a book that's, that's a theology on women in ministry. We, we did definitely wrestle that out though. You know, we've never looked, or I anyhow, had to look really closely, at especially Paul's words probably around women and just deciding that we saw that in the context of culture. I think that there's a lot of conversation around this today. So people do have a lot of questions I think for us personally, anyhow, you know, when you talk about being complementarian or egalitarian, I kind of see a bit of a third way for us. Um, it was really important that my husband and I were on the same page. Rod is, um, he's an incredible leader. He is such a gift in my life and in the life of our church. And I had to be on board with him. I, I needed to honor him as my husband's. And there is a spiritual covering that he, he brings to me and to our family that's so um, important. And so I, I needed to honor that in the same way that he so generously honored the, this call and um, the leadership on my life. And you know, even since we've made this transition, how that has played out has been really beautiful because Rod was the one who said, God is going to have to speak to me audibly for us to step into this at one point. And, and yet he just has continued to hear from God and he continues to be the best cheerleader and champion. And so anyhow, I would say that, yeah, there were definitely, there was a lot of just sitting with scripture, um, conversation about what that looked like especially when we got challenged afterwards you know there was a lot of challenge that came our way afterwards I wrote a blog post just to kind of make it clear guys this is this is what's happening I think for us anyhow um, we've always had women in ministry we had many pastors on staff who were female my mom was ordained the same day that my dad was they very much led together but it was just the concept of a woman leading um that kind of messed with us a little bit and yeah I, i'll just add to what dad said i would encourage people who are wrestling with that to 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 read and to study and at the end of the day you couldn't convince me that this wasn't right because i've just seen too much it was it was god it was the holy spirit that was like this is what's happening and so that assurance that settles gives you the confidence well, to you do go back to the very beginning in Genesis. God created male and female. And if you only have males in leadership, you got half the picture yeah. and you're, you're getting, I think half the, the, the proper leading. Um, 
And there's a lot of things that, that women um, see that men don't see in general. And, okay, you know, and as soon as I say that, everybody's going to go and all the, you know, the politically right, this, that. It's just true. In, in general, there's a biology difference. And God created it that way. And we need the voice of women. And I, I've, I've actually preached this message all over the place that, you know, women, you have a voice. We need to hear your voice. And it's not to be the one that's silent in the background. It's to be the one that's that's right beside, uh, you know, a male voice in terms of, of how, how strong it is. And without it, I think we, we, we have a problem. In general, um, in our world today, I think the, the greatest abused people group are females. The greatest abuse across the board. I mean, there's many countries when in a in a you know birth when a the person says it's a girl, that's that's actually you know it's terrible to hear that. And sometimes they don't make it out of that room um, because they nothing more than because they were a girl. And the church has always been called to right the wrong. And um, sometimes I, I see the same thing happening in churches. So we need to correct it. Yeah, I mean, the we is big because the we includes us as females, you know, Angela, Vanessa and I, Helen, to have the confidence to keep pursuing and saying yes when the opportunities come, but also not to be discouraged if they don't come and to still believe that if we've been called, God will use our gifting in some way or another. It may not be the platform or the pulpit because the other part of that is that there has to be room for us, right? And so it's it's not only the men, but it's the church as a system, as an institution, as a movement. And so many things have to change at the same time. And that's why we're just trying to populate the pipeline of females to give them encouragement in the journey that they don't grow up thinking, well, there's no place for me anyway, so why would I develop this gift? And to create a room so that when the opportunity comes, they could be a little bit more ready, a little bit more confident to step in that. So I think your modeling of this is coming at exactly the right time, not only for our nation, but the world, because now we have something to point to. And we can say, hey, this may not have been anything that you've seen in the past, but look, somebody's doing it. John Burns is doing it. Helen Burns is doing it. And Angela is stepping into it and saying yes. So it's greatly encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to move towards ending this with tell us a few wins. I know, I mean, Angela, it's been COVID. I know, oh my gosh, I've watched the timeline of that transition and then COVID, but um, tell us some of the wins that you're seeing. And, and again, with that authority of the church being led by you. And I know you have an incredible team as well as an amazing family, but just some of the strengths of it. What are you noticing leading in this season? Yeah, I would say our greatest strength is our team, that we have incredible people who have different perspectives and who speak up. I think we've um, been able to develop that, especially in the last few years. Something about being challenged causes you to um, really rally and come together and that has been such a win and a gift and I think it set us up for what has actually been the most incredible season. COVID has been so challenging for the church as a whole and we haven't been able to gather in our large gatherings for 16 months and we just have begun coming together in our campuses again and so it's been so challenging but at the same time I think that maybe the fact that I'm leading today allows us to kind of meet people with an empathy. <laughs> uh, not that dad, not that you wouldn't have been, but you probably would have been more likely to just let's get together, let's do the things, let's let's do what we've done. And I think maybe just being so desperate as I have been, <laughs> because it's also new and changing all the time, um, has allowed me to just uh, maybe change things a little bit easier because it's all new and we don't know what we're doing. And even my parents have said, we've never been here before. And so we've been able to kind of rally 
listen to God. We're, we've been asking God, what are you doing so that we can join you in that as opposed to, to making our best plans. We are looking for how he's moving and he has he's just developed something really beautiful in our church through this season. We have realized that there are neighborhoods around us that we were too busy before to notice. It's almost embarrassing to say, but we have just felt this draw towards our neighbors to love them well, to be a faithful presence in our communities. And so we've been gathering in just small groups, often on Zoom, because that's what we've been limited to doing. But there's been a real depth of relationship that has developed over these last months, years. And I believe that it's positioned us in strength for what's ahead, because I believe that though we may be able to gather again, I don't see things settling down. I think that we're, this is a whole new era and the strength of the church will come out of the community that we see that we're the body of Christ, we're the family of God, and we go forward together. So that was a lot of words, but I just see how um, some of the, the strengths that I would bring that maybe I didn't think were strengths before being, I'm a good listener. I'm paying attention to what people are saying, what God is saying, and being able to hear that and then translate it to our mission and how we move forward has been such a blessing. And also just the fact that I, though I've been in on church staff for 27, 28, more than that years, <laughs> See, I lose track. I feel like a newbie in a lot of ways because everything is just new. And I think that that is actually a gift. Yeah. I think that um, one of the wins is that you are the ones in, in the driver's seat when the, the COVID crash hits because um, you had a, you, you just said it, you, you struggled with listening to who do I listen to God or my, my dad? Well, your dad's voice didn't have any voice anymore because I had no clue what to do. So you had no choice. You had to go to God and you've really, you know, the win I see is that you've really had to press into him to find out what to do. And one of the examples was last August, you made the, the announcement that we were, we're not going to gather for the rest of the year, at least not till 2021. Now, last August, that was unheard of. Yeah. Everybody was thinking next month you know, at least by October. Um, but nobody dreamed. And, and yet you said, we'll do that because you heard from God. I think those are the kind of wins. What's happened because of th this season is the transition where people stopped looking to me and, yeah. and began looking to you and realizing that you have that anointing and that leadership. It's, um, it's accelerated all of that. And it's, that's a great win. So powerful. What I'm hearing as well is sometimes when we make it a male or female conversation, we don't get to acknowledge just pure gift, strength, grace, right? Like the, you know, because it's a male or female conversation. So although I know there are male and female, like there's barriers as well, but to hear your, your strengths, they're not just strengths feminine strengths they're god-given spiritual strengths and we call it a grace zone we lead the gather interns and then we do internship in our own church and we're always looking for people male or female to clarify their grace zone how god's designed them the way because that's how you're going to lead and so and i can hear that john i can hear that you're affirming strength and gift not just that she's female right like or and so I think that's the first step that girls get the chance to take is um it's not the permission conversation it's what's in me that God's given me right those strengths and those those gifts so this has just been such a holy conversation it feels so sacred it absolutely feels I'm Australian and so John and Helen Burns are loved around the world. They are. They are loved. We, we know them in so many different ways to the global church, the gift they are to the global church. And it wasn't till I'd visited your church from Australia and come to live in this nation that I'd seen what your church 
was carrying in terms of the heartbeat of our nation here in Canada now. But this and what you've done in the last few years feels nearly like what the last 30 years have been about. Mm -hmm. And I can feel it. I can feel it for this nation. And we just want to say on behalf of this movement that is all about championing the voice of females across the church and our nation, thank you for counting the cost of this decision, right? It has been all God, but it still requires your yes as well to both of you and your families who you love dearly and your church. And I think what Kathy just said is we'll be pointing this way for a while as a model of how it can happen. Mm. Hmm. Kathy? Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm on a new journey with this myself, even at my age, new ground, even though, I mean, I grew up in a, in a church doing all of, all of the things that was open to me. But then after that, it was like, oh, there's so many more closed doors in the local church than there are open ones. And I think Vanessa and I both believe and and the whole board of Gather believes that Gather will cease to be a movement once the female presence has equity in the church. I do believe it was God's design, like you said, John, and, and Jesus' design too, calling the first evangelist. And, you know, he, he modeled it. He modeled it in his day. And so, yeah, I am very thankful for this moment in our history that you are modeling that, that you are setting something new in front of all of our eyes and that we can look at it and, and make some choices ourselves to be strong, you know, to pursue and develop our God-given gift and not worry so much about the context. Not everybody will be a lead pastor. Not everybody will be an elder or even be able to preach in a church. But can you use your voice still anyway, you know, wherever God has positioned you with confidence that what he has called you to do, he will equip you to do. So thank you, thank you, thank you to you both. Thank you, thank you. It's an honor to talk to you both. And I, yes. we so thank love you. the work of Gather. Thank you for this opportunity to really display what's on our heart and what's really important. Well, we love you both and we bless you. and We bless the season ahead at Relate and your voices in this nation and beyond for all of you. And so thank you. Thanks for today. We trust that that conversation was one that you are savoring. You're sitting with, you're processing, you're praying over, particularly for those in leadership. We really sent this was a crucial conversation. We've had plenty of them. We've hosted as a gather movement, a seat at the table, and you can listen back on our podcast series for every single conversation about the seat at the table for women alongside men in leadership. This conversation was one of those rich, rich conversations. And we pray it continues to awaken you to places of influence with your voice and your presence. And Gather will only exist for as long as this voice of this female voice is not yet of equal value or significance in kingdom conversations. And we believe there will come a day. We believe it'll be a sign of the times and of revival as women's voices are held with that type of value. So we love you. We thank you for listening in, leaning in, being in this movement with us across our nation and watching gather women begin to serve in other spaces across the earth as people understand what God is doing in the nation of Canada is also really energizing for us at gather. Feel free to check out all the other resources that gather has to serve women and men in our nation, in leadership positions in our nation. And pray again for those gather voices that are gathering this weekend online for our first month of coaching this cohort. Thank you again for your continued support. Kathy, as she leads the, the vision of this movement, is constantly praying for you as listeners and you as part of the Gather movement. And we as an exec team are so honored to serve in this space. We love you. Be blessed. 
We trust that this conversation you were just a part of today on our podcast would really empower you in your sphere of influence to continue to strengthen your gorgeous, brilliant, phenomenal feminine voice and strength that you have to offer your spheres of influence. We are so excited about launching Gather Voices coaching cohort for summer all the way through to the rest of 2021 to really continue to coach and champion the female voice in the church and across our nation of Canada. Why don't you consider jumping on our wait list, looking at the information, praying into whether this is your time to take the next step and really continue to grow with your revelation that you beautiful woman of God have an opportunity to use your voice for the sake of the kingdom in new ways in new arenas maybe for the first time or maybe it's whole new levels of influence that you are believing God is entrusting you with in this season seriously girls revival will only happen when the female church awakens to usher in humanity's welcome home with your voice and your presence. So why don't you look at stepping into, investing into this space called Gather Voices with us for a six-month journey. Phenomenal guests, uh, coaches are coming on, guest equippers. You're going to meet incredible girls across our nation online from wherever you are so that all different parts of this nation can be impacted with your voice. Consider joining us. Jump on to gatherwomen.com and have a look at all that is coming up in this movement that serves you and the call of God in your life.